1: No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it's certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business. Whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once, or making Team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back.
2: Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chaully, bringing you the best of my Times Radio Show. You can listen live on the radio Monday to Friday, ten till one. But we always bring you the best bits. The Columnist Panel and The Big Thing. Today, The Big Thing is a cracker. It's a Times Radio focus group with uh, Tory voters in Newcastle under Lyme, proper red wall seat, getting their verdict on the Tory leadership candidates. Uh, So that's coming up in just a moment. But first, as ever, on a Tuesday, it must be these two.
3: Meet the Cerberus of columnists, the Janus of journalism, and the ultimate political portmanteau of opinion. Finkelstein with Daniel Finkelstein and David Aronovich on Times Radio.
2: Yes, a very good morning to Daniel Finkelstein. Morning, Danny. Good morning. Nice to have you with us. Uh, morning to David Aronovich. Morning, David.
3: Hi. Did somebody suggest Twister?
2: Twister. Yes, yeah, someone uh, on the. Uh, Someone's no, already what, done what, it. Uh, yeah. What, what games are they? What, yeah. What games are they playing on the last day of term in cabinet? Somebody suggested Nadim Zahawi specifically would be playing Twister. Given the uh, the various contortions he managed to get himself in the space of forty eight hours. Was yeah, that the only truth last is week? a lot of
3: your a lot of your listeners are actually brighter than us. That's the terrible truth. They're really good at these things. I mean, really good at them. It's really embarrassing. They are.
2: They are. I know. Yeah. But it's 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 good it's good to have you and Danny here to bring us, you know, the, the voice of the common man on the Clapham omnibus. <laughs>
3: That's right. <laughs> and you need to be bored sometimes, don't
2: you? Board games, board games, you see. Very good. Right, uh, let's talk about uh, the uh, the news this morning that um, uh, Tobias Elwood has uh, lost the whip after um, not voting for the government in the uh, the vote of confidence last night. All sorts of conspiracy theories are flying around right now, Danny, about is this Boris Johnson trying to help Liz Truss by removing a supporter for Penny Morden? What's really going on here, Danny?
4: <laughs> uh, well, he didn't vote in a vote of confidence, so he has to lose the whip. Otherwise, people wouldn't vote votes of confidence, and they're what sustain governments. You, you can't let people not vote in vote of confidence. Now, one or two people have said to me, which is a little bit puzzling. They said they, he wasn't the only person that didn't vote in the vote of confidence. So I'd, I'd want to learn a little bit more about that. But I think um, I, th- I think it's unlikely that 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 there won't be pretty good reasons for the others. And clearly, in his case, he was you know, finding a passive-aggressive way to withhold his support, uh, which is understandable, but, uh, you know, given the circumstances, if you can't let people do that, the government will collapse. So um, as much as I, uh, you know, um, would normally side with those people who think that Boris Johnson's capable of playing a game like that, um, actually, <laughs> I, think, I think I think this is what you would have to do if you were the Prime Minister. Because yeah. yeah. so I think, I think before, he's put it, out
3: No, I was just going to say, it would be terrible, wouldn't it, if the government collapsed? I mean, that would be be appalling. I mean, what might happen would be pretty much exactly what's happening now.
2: I know, it'd be really bad. It'd be really bad if Boris Johnson lost the confidence vote and then, I don't know, was removed from office. Um, So in a statement, (laughs) Tobias Elwood has said, following my meeting yesterday with the president of Moldova, I was unable to secure return travel to, due to unprecedented disruption both here and in the UK. I'm very sorry to lose the whip, but would now continue my meetings in Ukraine, promoting the Prime Minister's efforts here, and specifically seeking to secure the reopening of Odessa port so vital grain exports can recommence. Um, he's obviously the, uh, the chairman of the Defence Select Committee, which is what uh, that's all about. Henry Zeffman is reporting that 11 other Conservatives didn't vote, but whips say they were paired appropriately. But Danny, I thought whips—I thought you couldn't have a pair in a in a confidence votes. Well, uh, somebody pointed out this morning that you see, you anyone don't. who's seen this house, the James Graham play, will know that you know people yes. were wheeled in on hospital beds almost and because if you, you remember not The
4: reason for that was that the normal rules of cooperation between the parties had collapsed in advance of that. Yeah. So normally, normally there is some sort of whipping system, and I suspect the pairing was were for quite serious reasons um and i think in tobias elwood's case he was effectively withdrawing his support from the government which he's entitled to do but he can't do that while holding the whip and it's understandable that that was the sanction for it so um generally speaking i'm perfectly sympathetic to people arguing that uh boris johnson is game playing and um uh, i'm usually more sympathetic to, to bias Elwood um, uh, than, to, uh, some, than to many other Tory MPs. But in this case, I think it's, uh, you know, a reasonable whipping decision to do that.
3: Yeah, I think it's very important they were all whipped in to express confidence in the government yeah, they've you- all resigned from.
4: No, but, do you, um, but, but maybe you can make you can make you can sort of obviously uh, satirize it because you know perfectly well, and and you know we can both laugh at that. But the the truth is that if you want a parliamentary government in which the executive serves in parliament, you have to have a whipping system, and you have to have a confidence system. Otherwise, yeah. the executive can't serve in parliament, and the parliamentary democracy that both of us regard as important breaks down. Um, it, yeah. It's dependent upon the whipping system, which is easy to as I say, it's easy to. To sort of laugh at because people end up doing things they don't quite agree with. Um, but it's the way in which people's overall vote is translated into a parliamentary system produces no, an executive.
3: You make your inevitabilism sound as if it's the only possible voice of reason sometimes. It's the only criticism <laughs> I could conceivably ever have of you. But it is also true. And of course, you do require some kind of degree of party discipline. But in many other perfectly democratic states with perfectly functioning governments, people do have to deal with the business of dealing with other parties and with factions within parties and so on. And I don't actually think that democracy would begin to fail if Tobias Elwood were left with the whip, uh, particularly under the circumstances that we're operating uh, at, at the moment. But nevertheless, it's not to say you don't have a very good point. You clearly do. Well,
2: uh, uh, Danny is agreeing with Nadine Doris. That's how mad the, the heatwaves got. Nadine uh, has just tweeted, uh, this yeah. is uh, the suggestion that, in response to the suggestion that Boris Johnson was trying to remove a vote for Paddy Morton, This is wholly untrue and frankly, utterly ridiculous. Every single MP of every party... Is under no illusion regarding the price to be paid in not voting during a governance, co- government confidence motion. It's a clear, it's a very clearly defined and historic red line. Tobias could have voted like everyone else. The so there we are. The fact there that we
4: are. I agree with that. I mean, actually, it raises quite an interesting point. This, uh, I, I think, that people should avoid the error that is consequent on thinking that if they. Um, End up by accidentally agreeing with the Dean Doris. They must therefore be wrong, and therefore, in a contrarian way, uh, immediately taking the opposite position to that of the Dean Doris, thinking that is inevitably correct. That's not yeah. a way to read. And I do. And I. And one of the things I've determined to do is not allow uh, Boris Johnson's conduct of government to drive me crazy to the point where I don't recognise the validity of a vote of confidence
2: there we are that's that's uh well let me also did Dean dice yesterday shouting at Starmer. he's boring he is quite boring so she's been twi- right twice now in as many days um <laughs> Danny, in terms of what might happen later today lots of people try to game what's going to happen but the truth is we don't need to predict it do we we could just enjoy the fact that something is happening and we don't know we don't know what the outcome's going to be Yes, it's interesting to try and reason one's way
4: through it. And I suppose the, 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 just first of all, by the way, I, I think Nadine Dean Doris's behaviour and shouting at Keir Starmer that way was appalling, by the way, but that's just uh, in parenthesis. Um, the, the, the only value in, in, in political predictions are that by doing them, you have to reason through how votes work. So, for example, if you try to predict the results of the election, the next general election, the thing that's valuable in that exercise is trying to work out what it is, that influences the bottom line of election results. So for example, you end up um, working out better what voters know and don't know, what they pay attention to and don't pay attention to, what, um, what affects their vote in terms of the economy and what doesn't. So it can be a useful exercise of, in um, helping you analyze things. And I suppose whether you get the prediction right, it gives you some clue as to whether analytically you know, you, there's any substance to your, to your way of thinking. So that's the value in, in predictions. But yes, otherwise, you can just wait. True. Uh,
2: D- David, are you gaming it or are you just going to wait?
3: No, oh, I mean, I, I, I've been really struck by uh, people saying things like, oh, here's to Braverman's votes. Well, she's, she's supporting Liz Trust. I'll so go to Liz Trust. And then they don't more of them went to Rishi Sunak than anybody else. And one of the things that I think I said right at the beginning of this process was that actually Tory MPs are not biddable as block people at the moment. They are very ill-disciplined. Uh, in that sense um, and you can't predict what they're going to do um, uh, I don't I mean if, if I had to support anybody in this godforsaken fight I guess it would be Rishi sunak as Danny uh, as Danny has done because at least the guy gives a kind of sense of being relatively grown up uh, and so on but um, it's um, it, it's it is the case. I think that the Conservative Party is ideologically exhausted, completely exhausted. It's been nearly 14 years that they've been in power by 2024. In fact, it will be 14 years. Um, And uh, the very fact that Rishi Sunak has to have part of his slogan, uh, Save Brexit... Help save Brexit or whatever it is. It really kind of gives you an idea of the exhaustion. They do not really know what to do. It may be that the opposition don't really know what to do, but at least there'd be kind of new people not knowing what to do, rather than old people not knowing yeah. uh, not knowing what to do. But it does make it really quite unpredictable in many ways. But one, and the one way in which it is utterly predictable, is that Rishi Sunak is the best qualified person to be Prime Minister out of the people who are who are there, and that will therefore probably be what people decide to do.
4: Uh, yeah, I think, you're. first of all, obviously, um, it's a mistake to, to look at the transfers and think they just go one way or the other because of where the leader of that group goes. It probably isn't the case that the majority of Suela Brabhamans went to Rishi soon now, that he got the most of those. It probably was a degree of churn caused by the debate. Um, but... Um, you know, but I so it probably went, it probably went a little bit um, because of that. Uh, some people went from Penny Morden because she hadn't done so well in the debate. Some people mm, came to true. her, you know, they all netted off.
2: Well, we'll continue uh, discussing what we think might happen and also some of the other cast, cast of characters, including uh, Lord Frost, because we don't hear enough from him. We'll, do, we'll discuss more of that with uh, Finkovich, Daniel Finkstein, and David Ivanovich. Uh, the conversation continues after this.
5: From Tokyo to the Tadawar, Wall Street to Warsaw, and Chicago to the City of London, the global financial markets never sleep. Make sure you're fully briefed on all the latest money movements and share price fluctuations with Times Radio Business Bulletins.
0: Every morning on Times Radio, early breakfast from 5 and every night at drive from 4.
1: Times Radio Business Bulletins, keeping you well informed throughout the day, every day. Times Radio. Ready to meet your new summer crush? Well, look no further. This one's just your type. They're cool as they come and might just make you melt. And better yet, they're made of smooth caramel. Full for the flavour with the Galaxy Caramel McFlurry. Only at McDonald's. (whistles) Available until September the 6th. Subject to availability.
0: Matt Chorley on Times Radio.
2: Very good morning it's Matt Chorley. Still joined by Finkelfish, Daniel Finkelstein and David Aronovich. Let's talk about... Uh, the environment, climate change, net zero. Uh, everyone seems to be saying, well, we don't need to talk about that now because we're not going to be here. Uh, that certainly seems to be Kerry B- uh, bain uh, view, despite the fact that, I mean, she could be 80 by 2050, 2060 So um, every chance that she's here, but at the very least, uh, lots of children and grandchildren will still be here. Is it a problem, David, that none of the people who want to lead the country really seem to want to talk about any of this stuff?
3: Uh, yeah It's a very big problem. Uh, You can understand why, because in the first instance, they're facing towards the party and they've made the decision, which is that there's a section of the party which is disaffected by the notion of what you have to sacrifice to get to net zero. And in addition to that, there's an assumption made about what they call red wall voters, that these people are also more likely to be worried by the effects of of the price increases that they attribute to the business of trying to get to net zero than they will be by net zero but in the country as a whole the polling seems to suggest that people are deeply worried about it for their kids for their grandkids and if they're younger for themselves the other thing is it's quite clear from the the piece that appeared in the observer on when on Sunday and was retweeted by Alec Sharma himself if they continued on this path he would resign and he would say the conservative party has dropped its commitment to net zero and isn't serious about climate change and that, for a very large section of the electorate in all parts of the country, is a very serious question. So some of the candidates have to begin to look beyond the immediate business of appealing to Tory MPs and, uh, 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 and members of the party. It may be also be, actually, that those members of the party are slightly more aware of net zero, etc., maybe than some ideologues think.
2: I mean, somebody uh, in the where is it it's in the Telegraph today? The, uh, Conservative MP Chris Skidmore said Conservative Party members are unwilling to prioritise the government's 2050 net zero targets because 90 percent of them will be dead. Is this is this another argument against having party members have a say on this? Uh, do you think, Danny? Well, I'm not.
4: Uh, I'm not in favour of the electoral system because I think that. Um, MPs shouldn't make the judgment, both because they know the people involved in, uh, and because they tend to take the interests of the whole electorate into account. It's not a perfect system even then. And obviously, mostly it has to be tested at a general election. But um, I, I, I think, um, you know, in any election, you, the candidates are gonna, going to attack towards the voters. And so therefore, they're not going to stress, They're going to stress those issues where they've got strengths. Uh, that's why Rishi Sunak uses a meaningless phrase like keep. Brexit safe. I'm not even sure what it means. And they uh, they then uh, don't talk about issues which they don't think move the bottom line uh, with voters. And unfortunately, that I think is, is the case with Tory members on net zero. I think it's a mistake to think of Tory members as being incredibly ideological. They're generally not, actually. Um, but they certainly... You know, there'd certainly be more sort of climate sceptics in that group than in the general population. And there'd probably be people who are more concerned about Brexit and tax cuts than climate change in that group than in the general population. So that's probably why they're doing it. It's not a particularly uplifting thing to see.
3: Yeah, that makes um, perfect sense to me um, uh, as well. I mean, Danny knows obviously the Conservative Party membership far better than I do, but I've heard this from other sources as well, which is this is not something that they feel incredibly strongly about resisting. But there has been an attempt, and this is what you mentioned, Law Frost earlier, to kind of fashion a coherent right-wing ideological conservative position out of what they imagine Thatcherism to have been, uh, i.e. very free market, low low taxes, etc. Again, also with a hard... um uh, uh and being opposed to the commitments in net zero in other words let them kind of market rip and lord frost has been very it's significant in that i think paul goodman conservative home has described him as having enjoying almost cult-like status which is really rather remarkable given uh given where he's come from uh, etc uh what's not at all clear to me is that it's actually succeeding and the uh kemi badenos res- resiled. From the position on net zero, for the position against it, seems to suggest that actually it won't work because, as, uh, as a certain Mister Finkelstein, uh, Baron Finkelstein said last week, the final contest for is always with reality. <laughs> yeah,
2: they're, they're going to end up crashing up against that. Um, just finally, I wanted to—I uh, was looking through the list of uh, things you wanted to talk about today, uh, David. Did you—you you wanted to talk about this? S Club Seven, uh, overrated, underrated. David Ivanovich. Of course, I didn't want to t-
3: talk about that. I put that as a joke. <laughs> well, it's, well uh, this is not no, no laughing matter. All <laughs> oh, right, you've caught my bluff. I make it. I make a, What I think is a funny comment in an email, and you do that to me on I'm live so radio. So pleased because I looked
4: at that and I thought, you know, I must widen my range of cultural references. <laughs> David's clearly reading with a breath and, a, and, a, and, a, and an open eye, and I'm here. Am I concentrating on uh, on the criminal justice policy and uh, a <laughs> holocaust? And well, I've certainly i really
3: certainly learned that. a lesson, Charlie. It was so well, obscure
4: that joke. I didn't get it either. If I must have heard.
2: I I agree with you. I think they are underrated, and one day uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll as a nation reflect on that. Um, anyway, there we are. That was funny. Uh, lovely to speech you as ever, gents. Daniel Finkelstein at David Roderich. dead. of course, you can read them both in The Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times box. Up next is the Focus Group.
0: Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile.
1: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
2: You're listening to the Red Box podcast now. It's time for this. CCHQ, Shirley Campaign Headquarters. Yes, yeah, part of our ongoing coverage of the Tory leadership race. We thought we'd convene another one of our Times Radio focus groups to ask a, a panel of real-life voters what they think about what is going on. Uh, this week, uh, this, sorry, this month, we're joined by uh, Gabriel William from Portland Communications, who carried out the group uh, for us. And Gabriel joins me now. Good morning, Gabriel.
1: Good morning, Matt. How are you?
2: Uh, I'm very good. I'm very good. Nice of you with this. Now, uh, let's start with our uh, monthly um, disclaimer. What is a focus group? Why is it different to an opinion poll and, and what's the value of it? good thing about
5: a focus group is uh, opinion polls, and I do a lot of those as well, uh, will tell you what people think. A focus group will tell you kind of why they think it and how strongly they hold their views. It gives you an opportunity to have a back and forth, basically to test ideas. Uh, so you don't get hard data out of it, but if you put the two things together, you kind of get like a 3D relief map of public opinion. You can see not just the kind of layout, but, you know, the shapes of the, the rivers and valleys that, uh, that connect everything.
2: That's a really nice way of putting it so who was who was in this group uh, remind us how they're selected it's not me rigging up our favorite times radio listeners uh, much as they much as we like them explain how they're found and who in particular was in this group
5: um, we we use a, a market research um, company to recruit people um, for our group um, and we set them a specification um, and then they go out and find people and usually it's people who they know they go through social media etc like that so the specification for this group was we wanted people in a constituency that was a marginal tory held one probably in the midlands social class c1 c2 which is the backbone of the country it's 48% of the electorate something like that so these are people uh you know that's a it's lower middle class skilled working class people earning you know, kind of national average salary, which is between 30 and 40,000 pounds. Yeah, I don't know what these people precisely um, at all, I shouldn't say that, but it's the backbone of the country, um, basically, or not the backbone, it's somewhere sort of the the median of the country. And the place that we ended up is Newcastle under Lyme. There's, the seat is held by Aaron Bell, who had been backing Tom Tugendhat. He has a majority of 7,000 or so. But until the Tories took it in 2019, they hadn't held it since 1880. Uh, A a quick look, and and I'll admit, I was looking on Wikipedia, so that might be completely wrong, but it's usually right. So, you know, it's a seat that the Tories are not used to holding uh, at all, but one that they hold pretty narrowly. Labour held onto it in 2017 with a majority of just 30.
2: Yes. So it's a very close, it's a very close thing. It's proper, it, right in the smack bag of the country, low middle class workers in a, in a proper swing seat. So those are the people. And obviously the key thing we wanted to know was what do they think of the leadership contenders? And, and Gabriel did a great thing where he sort of held up photos to try and uh, see if anyone knew who they were. Uh, we'll kick off with probably the most well-known person. I think all but one knew who Rishi Sunak was. Let's take a listen to what the panel had to say about the former Chancellor. Ambitious.
6: Educated. Bold. If he went back 12 months, he was the country's saviour for me, and then obviously things have gone downhill slightly, so my opinion slightly changed towards himself.
7: He's quite level-headed. He's probably a safe pair of hands, to be fair. Bold. Probably going to be a, a better statesman than, than Boris was, you know, a better frontman if you like. Uh, so it remains to be seen whether he's going to lead the country following all the, you know, the debt that we're now in as a, as a nation.
8: Do we not think he's shot himself in the foot a little bit with this tax business with his wife?
2: So that's... It started off well and then sort of veered off a bit, uh, uh, Gabriel. They liked him. He still gets some credit for what he did in the early stages of the pandemic with the furlough and so on. But that slightly complicated business about his wife's tax affairs, his own personal wealth, that has had some cut through.
5: Yeah, and you're right. All but one of the six people, and I should say uh, that they all voted Conservative in 2019. Uh, but they'd all voted Labour at least once in the past before that. Um, but at, at least uh, only one of them couldn't identify Rishi, and usually when I've done similar exercises, he's got pretty universal recognition, to be honest. There was um, a good deal of support for him, but it's complicated. Now, I ran similar groups, and I happen to run similar groups in Stoke-on-Trent, just up the road from Newcastle, uh in um april um and rishi's support was looking really dicey then uh after the budget which had gone down pretty well but there's no doubt about it in terms of what the public think of him he hasn't earned back everything where he was up until january until parties and everything like that uh but he's earned back a a good deal of it um, it seems to me and it seemed to me as well and we'll go to this when we talk about the others that there was a certain amount of accepting that he was kind of almost the inevitable choice, um, really. But some people on the group, when they started to argue amongst themselves, and it's really good when that happens, they were quite capable of being argued out of support for him with things like the non-dom, with things like his wife's
2: wealth. But, you know, he went down pretty well. He did go down pretty well. I suppose it's one of those things where people weigh up these things, don't they? Well, he was good during the pandemic, uh, I know about the tax stuff and then they look at all the alternatives and then they sort of weigh it up and it's part of the mix but, the, but maybe they think on balance they still quite liked him. Right, let's look at some of the others now. Uh, this is what the group thought of Liz Truss.
6: For me, she's coming from um, from behind a little bit, isn't she? She's, uh, she was uh, Liberal Democrats, wasn't she? And now she's contesting for leadership. So for me, I don't I don't really... A little bit sly to me. I don't know what her full agenda is. I don't
8: think it's, strong. it's not strong.
7: One word, it's tough, tough to sum up in one word, um, unknown.
8: I would go with that as well, unknown, because I didn't really know who she was before this leadership contest.
9: I think I'm going to go down the line of career politician, detached from reality. Somebody mentioned she was liberal at one time. She was at university, very liberal. But as she said the other night, uh, she wasn't born a conservative was the answer. And I thought that was a very intelligent answer.
2: Now, this I thought was really interesting, Gabriel. On the one hand, she's the longest continuously serving cabinet minister in government for the longer yeah. than anyone else, and yet has a much lower profile than some of the others. And yet yeah. the Lib Dem stuff uh, seems to have got cut through, presumably because Rishi Sunak brandished the fact that she was previously a member of the Lib Dems during one of the TV debates. But So that, to some extent, those attacks have worked. People don't know who they are, but what they do know is they, they she's a bit shifty.
5: Yeah, I mean, people have got to know her uh, more and her recognition of her has gone up considerably um, over the last couple of months and in the last couple of weeks. I did some polling last week and asked people how much attention they were paying um, to the Tory leadership contest. About half people are giving it at least some attention. Several, I think about half the group last night had watched Uh, the ITV debate on Sunday night, the night before we did the group. Uh, So people are, she's coming from quite a low base, um, and the Lib Dem stuff has undoubtedly cut through. But I thought it was very interesting uh, that one of the people said, well, she actually gave quite a good answer to that. And her answer basically was, you know, I became intellectually convinced um, by the case for conservatism, which is a pretty good answer, actually.
2: It's better than sort of trying to deny something. Just yeah. embrace it and say people change. People yeah. change their minds, and I've changed my mind. Okay, yeah. so that was Liz Truss. Then let's move on. Uh, this is what the focus group said. We did it last night uh, while the voting was going on. But this is what the uh, the focus group said about Penny Morden. Confident, from what I
7: can gather, she's gaining a bit of traction as as one of the front runners or one of the leading candidates. I believe. I don't think. I don't think she'll come out on top.
8: I only know who she is because she was on the. Uh, debate the other day, but um, she come out with some really good answers. I think she does come out with some good answers, so I'd go with confidence.
9: Sorry, I, d- I didn't know who she was, so I wouldn't. She's a confident talker, she's got some issues with trends, things she
6: said in the past. I think she's a very strong lady. She knows what she wants, and I couldn't remember her name from the photograph. All I can remember is her slogan, PM for PM.
2: So, th- I mean, that's not bad. I mean, for someone with a very much, much lower profile and history than Liz Truss, that's pretty good for Penny Morton. Gabriel?
5: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, salience has gone up massively. When I did a similar exercise, salience, which basically means kind of cut through, it's a posh word for cut through, uh, are importance. Um... When I did a similar exercise over previous months before the leadership contestant contest began, the only person who I've ever come across in a focus group who knew who she was was someone whose husband was a firefighter and had known that there had been some unsatisfactory issues with industrial relations and in the fire service. Um, the confidence thing was something that really shone through. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and this is going to sound a bit pejorative, but that a plausible, confident manner will take you a long way. And that has gone through. There was also, as well, uh, the trans issue, which cut through it, in a way that some people might find quite surprising. But at least one person in the group last night was aware of was, uh, was aware of uh, of that, and that was uh, um, I thought uh, interesting. So confidence, they they quite like to. But we also know. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, just on the all the trans trans issue. So this is uh, some of. Uh, uh, Penny Morden's uh, rivals, particularly Kemi uh, Bradenock, who replaced her as a as an equalities minister, claiming that Penny Morden had a policy of being pro self ID that people could uh, uh, register their their uh, gender themselves uh, self ID, uh, and then the policy was changed later. Penny Morden insists that wasn't uh, the policy when she was there. So, but that's the but that that sort of slightly complicated row has clearly got some cut through. One because trans is such a, uh, a sort of um, uh, big issue, but also um, because it goes to the heart of can you trust her? Is she saying now something different like she said before? Um, so that was the view on that. Well, let's move on then. Let's hear now from uh, the panel as to what they thought of can we bad or not.
6: Name escapes me to be honest. No, I don't know a name.
2: Precise,
6: strong. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't know her.
2: Uh Yeah, not not a lot uh, was the answer, and I was quite struck, Gabriel, that, that given the way that. Penny and had had an impact through exactly the same leadership election process, I was surprised that Kemi hadn't uh, enjoyed the same boost in her profile.
5: I, I think that's a good point. I mean, I, what I would say is I think she was the last person who's, whose picture I held up and, and showed. So maybe that coloured it a little bit. And, you know, when you opinion poll you randomise these things, so these things are equalised. Uh, so that, you know, they might have wanted to get on, and they might have been a bit talked out by that point on this particular thing. <laughs>
7: and,
5: you know, as a moderator, <laughs> you have to guard against one of the, one of the, the things that you learn doing this. Um, so, but I think you're right. I think they were less seized of her than they were by Penny.
2: Yes, yeah, something. So Penny Moulding clearly got something, which Kemi yeah. hadn't. Uh, and I suppose that, that's part of that is politics, isn't it? Whether it's a confidence thing or a bit of stardust or whatever it is. Let's, tell what, let's hear now, we asked them each what they thought of the various leadership candidates. Let's ask, uh, find out what happened. Uh, Gabriel asked them a very straight question. Who would you choose to be the next Prime Minister?
7: Probably at this point,
9: Rishi.
8: But okay. I would go
2: Rich Rishi as well. Um, yeah, it's gotta
9: be Rishi, I think,
6: with what he did throughout the pandemic. I'd like a
9: fresh start. I'd go with somebody like Tom.
8: I'm
6: kinda of torn between Tom too and Rishi. I think Tom just about for me peps the post.
8: I think I'd probably
2: say Rishi, yeah. So a, a pretty almost clean sweep, I think, for for Rishi Sudak, uh Gabriel.
5: Yeah, he did really well. Better than I expected at all, uh, actually, to be honest. And how does Uh, that
2: compare to other groups and things that you've been doing during this contest?
5: I I think his reputation has improved during the contest. But what I think is at work here, and this is speculation to a degree, is that they know his track record. Furloughed made a huge difference to people's lives. And people, you know, they're casting around. They don't know much about any of the other contenders. They do know that Rishi delivered furlough. They do know uh other things uh, about him and he you know what he hasn't attracted criticism for is kind of you know low low pay settlements for the public sector police teachers etc people like that but they do know that he has delivered furlough so they're looking around you know what what have I got to judge these people on he has at least delivered something tangible and they're not sure about others at all
2: and I suppose that's the thing, isn't it, is that it, 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 people weigh up. Yes, we know about the negatives, but we also know about the positive. Sort of better the devil you know. What do you yeah. just do, and it, this hasn't been, in a way it's been quite good, I suppose it hasn't been a big part of the campaign, but you asked them just um, if you thought Britain was ready for a, a non-white uh, prime minister, a brown uh, prime minister. Uh, this is what they had to say. Let's take a listen. The difference
6: does it make? Okay. Massive, it? Okay. his experience and yes. in his
7: locker. Doesn't make any difference.
8: My husband asked me exactly the same question. And I sort of looked at him like he had two heads and I went, oh, What difference does it make? As long as they love Britain and they're going to do their best for it. Yeah. Give some monkeys.
7: I think, yeah, I think if you're a sensible person and you, you know, you're you're not narrow-minded, then, of course, if you've got the credentials and the, the best interests of the people in the country, then, like you say, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, think, I think it's a valid question for some people. I think a lot of people in the country would be, you know, perturbed by it. But I think if you're a reasonable reasonable yeah. human being, you, you, wouldn't, you don't care as long as they do a good job and, they're, you know, it doesn't matter, does it?
9: But Indian, black, or whatever, if you've got the credentials to run the country and the experience and everything, great. But I will say this, I was fishing only last week with a friend of mine, known him for 50 years, school days and everything. And he turned around to me and he says, you know, Tim, I think I'm racist. I says, why? He says, I don't want Rishi to win. I don't want to be ruled by a Pakistani or an Indian. And I couldn't believe what he was saying, but I understood.
2: This is really interesting, Gabriel. Maybe this is a a generational thing. And the fact that it's not been a massive part of this campaign it actually shows just how much britain has changed i think it does
5: and the criticism will come be well of course people in a focus group and you know we inform people what it will be used for they they knew that their words might be broadcast etc on times radio so they, they, they knew this was happening uh, we're very transparent with people the criticism will be well of course people aren't going to be racist in in that but Actually, I've been in enough focus groups, or or say racist things in in a focus group, I've been in enough focus groups where I really have heard racism. I've had to ask people to leave the group, even, uh, when people have used racist language, to know that things have changed substantially. And it's not just the work that comes out of focus groups that tells us that, it's also the polling, you know, the work that people like the great Sunda Katwala have done uh, that tells us that. And I, I found, I found that section of the group actually rather moving and uh, encouraging. You know, Newcastle under the line is very close to Stoke-on-Trent. And the Stoke-on-Trent is a city where there was a very substantial BNP presence quite recently. Um, things have changed. I think it was significant that the gentleman who talked about his racist friend um, was the oldest person in the group by some measure. Um, yes. It's something yeah, you, yeah, do yeah. Get, you do get from older people but even then that's changing um uh, as well you know racism is in many ways you know we're not perfect as a country we know that we know that racism is still a real presence structural racism for example we know but the way that people talk about it has and is changing in quite an encouraging way
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's move on and talk talk about uh, some of the issues up for grabs. This campaign has been dominated by the question of uh, tax cuts. This is what the Focus Group panel thought about all those promises.
6: I can't see how tax cuts can happen at the minute, especially with the current climate. I I really can't. I just don't know (laughs) how they can balance the books. We've spent a lot of money during COVID, and like I say, the war's there now. Inflation, everything's going up. We need to be paying in in order to safeguard the future for the kids and stuff.
7: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't think, I'm not sure if that's going to be a thing in the next few years. I can't see that happening at all. I, I agree.
9: They want you to <laughs> vote for them because they know that's what the country wants. Give us the money, give us some money. We don't care how we get it, just give us some. Rishi wants a rich country and poor people because he thinks the way is to get the country back onto a level means and then we'll, uh, people will invest and create jobs.
2: So there we are, Um, uh, Gabriel. What what, what should the various campaigns make of that? The extent to which the public believe what they're saying on tax?
5: Um, I thought that was a really fascinating bit. And I should say as well that I've worked with previous Tory leadership campaigns. I'm I'm not associated with any of the current campaigns in any way at all. Um, What I would say is, look, the British people are not fools in the slightest. (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they they know stuff. And one of the things that's come out massively from polling in the last 18 months is they realise that all the spending during COVID, all the test and trace, uh, all the furlough, all the business support, all the loans, etc., needs to be paid for in some way. They know that it costs a packet. And so there is some scepticism when having tax cuts dangled in front of them because they have basically for the last 18 months been expecting taxes to go up. So they're wondering, okay, well, you know, we spent all this extra money. They're not great at dealing with very large numbers. Few of us are. We spent all this very large amount of money. And now you're saying you're gonna cut taxes. And it reminds me a little bit of the kind of generation game cuddly toy policy offer that Jeremy Corbyn put before the British people in 2019, which just wasn't believed. So, you know, there is an element there of, you know, tell us how you're actually going to do it. Tell us how you're going to pay for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. People are more realistic. That, that tax cuts are going to be easy.
2: Uh, right. Uh, let's move on, because I just want to hear what the group had to say. Uh, let's just them um, uh, about the guy who's on the way out. That's, that we've heard a lot about what the uh, his replacement might be. This is what the group in Newcastle Under Lyme had to say about Boris Johnson.
6: He's been a big failure for me. It was, He started off really good and we had my 100% back, and that was a failure.
8: Just makes so many blunders and lots of silly gaffes.
7: In a word, I'd say distrustful.
8: I really like Boris. I think he's done amazing. I think he's made some fantastic blunders, but I think he's done some amazing things by seeing us through Covid. I think quite often people in the country have a very short memory, and I think the closer you are to the top, the more the knives come
6: out. Unlucky. Unlucky. It's the timing of everything since he took over has been horrendous. He's too good for one word. The
9: press killed him. Yeah, I agree. The press killed him.
2: Go Bill, that sound you can hear is people smashing their radio. Uh because whenever we for for two years we've been doing these focus groups now and uh, the resilience of Boris Johnson's reputation with large parts of the electorate has baffled, basically, people on Twitter. And this just confirms it's still there.
5: Yeah, it is, and it, it has been there. Now, you know, people say, well, he's never been actually that popular, but he has been significantly popular with people, not unlike the people uh, we met in newcastle Underline last night. Um, and that hasn't all gone away. I mean, there's a bit of it where, you know, it's like when a relationship comes to an end, and it's sad, and you know that, you know, someone hasn't always behaved themselves terribly well, uh, but you still miss them. That's a bit like what it is for a decent chunk <laughs> of people, a lecturer. Um, and, you know, there is a kind of stab in the back narrative that is obviously taking hold amongst some of these people. And that's gonna be interesting how that plays out. Meeting that in the wild, so to speak, uh, is uh, is really interesting. How that will play out in coming months and years is going to be fascinating.
2: Now, just partly in the interest of balance, but also just so that the Labour Party don't get overexcited. Uh, you asked, When well, we asked about the shadow cabinet, it didn't get very far at all. Um, I think they vaguely knew who Angela Rayner was. Uh, Rachel Reeves, blank faces all round. Uh, you also asked what they thought of Keir Starmer and why they don't think they'd vote for Labour at the next election.
8: I just don't trust them. I, I just think they jump on the bandwagon too much. Trust they
2: re- reverse too much, Yeah, like the levelling
6: up and things like that. So They have the same situation with Cameron and Theresa May, who are in the same position now as they were then. And and the Tories were knocking lumps out of each other, and Corbyn and Co couldn't do anything then either, because they didn't have a concrete plan. They've got they've got nothing now. Everything's hindsight. Keir Starmer, he's boring, he's stayed, and he hasn't got a team. I've lost faith in the Labour Party from 1997. They had a few good years where everything was on the up, but mm-hmm. a lot of the NHS... Is, the NHS is quite close to my heart. They sold a lot of the land and stuff off, and I think part of the reason of being in the mess that we are today is because of the Labour government. I'm dismissing, but i would
8: probably do some research
2: I mean it's not great for the Labour Party is it uh Gable they, uh, you know literally in the middle of a leadership contest to replace a disgraced outgoing prime minister Labour Party is just nowhere nowhere to be seen for this group
5: It's pretty dreadful for Labour uh really pretty dreadful for Kiss in particular I think there's there are two big problems clearly and you know you, you, it's 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 a great question just what is stopping these people connecting with with the Labour Party and it's you know it, 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 I, I'm sure the Labour Party is doing a lot of work on it themselves. They've got excellent people doing precisely this kind of work for them. Um, it, it, you know, I think there are two big problems, to be honest. I think the hindsight thing comes up a lot, uh, that Keir Starmer, although he tried really hard during the pandemic not to kind of just sit there and complain, when he eventually started making interventions, I think that went down quite badly um, yeah. with it's the public. hindsight thing. You know, the Captain Hindsight thing and also uh, various things on lockdown as well, you know, the Johnson variant, stuff like that. that just People just didn't want, uh, you know, I liken it to when your boiler breaks down, okay? If your boiler breaks down, you don't want a barrister to come round and kind of say, well, I can sue the manufacturer for it. You want a plumber who's going to fix it, rapido. Um, and so arguing the toss um, about various things just didn't go down well with the public during the pandemic at all. The other thing is clearly the absence of a really well-known team. The, uh, the Labour front bencher with by far the biggest culture I get in this group and other groups is Angela Rayner, and to say her appeal is marmite is to put it mildly. Some people really like her; they they, they find her relatable, yeah. they, they like her backstory. But the Tories are scum things thing, which she said at Labour conference that has had enormous cut through. You hear it played back to you a lot. And these are people who should, supposedly, uh, in many ways, be you know strong Labour
2: considerers. Uh, Gabriel, it's really good to speak to you. What a fascinating group. Gabriel Willen from Portland Communications had carried out this month's Times Radio Focus Group. They were a panel of Conservative voters from Newcastle under Lyme. They voted Conservative... In 2019, have been a Labour seat for, for 100 years or so uh, before that. That's so all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget, you can listen to me live Monday to Friday, 10 till 1 on Times Radio, and we bring you the best bits here on the podcast. And if you're feeling particularly nice, why not wait and review us wherever you get your podcast from?